uh, our slogan is we are the pride, strength, and character of Panther Nation. I was like, the band knows that, but nobody else knows that. So like, how do we work that into our marketing? So then kind of working backwards is I was like, okay, so I know in this video, I want to have pride, strength, character, have some footage of the band performing, doing something, and then have some shots that I like set aside to like stage and decide who's coming in when and all of that. So that was my junior year as I did the first one. And definitely that was a lot of trial and error for me just because I had never coordinated a shoot of that magnitude before. The band had never participated in a shoot of that magnitude before. And it was overcoming a lot of logistical hurdles. Another fantastic episode of the Leadership and Business Story. And you're here with your host, Hunter White. And I am here with a fantastic person. Uh, her name is Hannah Butler. Hannah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. And it's such such fun because people don't know that Hannah is just a, just radiates energy of positive <laughs> vibes. So we're, we are going to get right into it. And I would like to open up with a story. This is from CEO World Magazine, which is written by Eric Woodson, and it is the five emerging digital marketing strategies to try in 2020. And we'll figure out why we're talking about digital marketing here in a little bit. As leaders are just about to see the benefits of this year's marketing decisions, they soon realize it's time to start planning marketing strategies for 2022. Thankfully, as the economy recovers, by gaining momentum, hopefully marketers will find themselves with a more padded budget to work with. But what would be the best way to allocate this money? With every industry reeling from navigating a year-long and counting global crisis, it's essential to pay attention to what shifts in user behavior and media consumption. Eager for a less chaotic 2022, Marketers are gearing up to try and execute their promising marketing strategies. Now, these are the five marketing strategies that uh, people are going to be using. Number one, use more videos. It feels like marketing tip lists of the past decade have talked about video, yet some businesses and brands remain hesitant to incorporate video marketing into the mix. With the rise of TikTok and Instagram announcing its new it's now a video platform. The rise of video is imminent. Over 85% of consumers would like to see videos from brands, and at least 67% of brands are looking to increase their video spend in 2022. Beyond short videos for social media, some brands are tapping into the power of longer form original content to help build brand affinity. Investing money in live streaming or explainer videos can help build a brand and build loyalty following and educate their audience about their brand, products, and services. Number two, invest in creating a strong brand image. Branding has always been an important element of marketing and business in general, but Focusing on storytelling and building a strong, solid brand is what will keep consumers counting uh, coming back. In 2022, creating a solid brand image requires a two-step or hybrid marketing approach. 
The first step is to use digital advertising to get your brand out there. It's essential to note that digital advertising will become more expensive with time, which is a given. Higher competition drives Google's bidding wars into spirals that can often lead to, to be too expensive for small brands. Still, this will always be worth the investment if done right, which is why working with a professional marketer is the best. Next, you have to find ways to keep growing organically, raising your brand awareness through organic content via videos, web content that provides value, weekly podcasts, newsletters, and other forms of organic content will help. Set aside the right resources, time, and money to focus solely on organic traffic. This will boost your brand awareness and support overall marketing efforts. Number three, optimize for voice search. Since 2019, the rise of voice technology has become a constant thought in every marketer's mind. Voice search includes everything from voice assistants like Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, and chatbots. Brands that focus on more consumer-friendly content will strive in this space, offering sharp, valuable content that responds to what consumers use voice search for, make them winners in this space. Number four, focus on local SEO. And I had to look up what SEO meant. It means search engine optimization. I did not know that. Geofencing isn't a new concept, but it will take on new importance as consumers become more local oriented. While online markets open doors to consumers during lockdowns as restrictions start to fade, consumers want local solutions to meet their needs. While geofencing brands can create targeted markets through text, email, social media, or in-app notifications to consumers in localized, quote-unquote, fenced areas. In addition, local SEOs can help boost geofencing efforts, focusing time to optimize map business listings created by Google My Business account and creating content based on local events or stories are essential to optimize for local SEOs. Asking for reviews from happy customers and optimizing for voice searches for directions and operational hours will help win local SEO game. Number five, do not neglect business to business marketing. Business to business content is often neglected as most businesses focus only on consumers. However, business to business can lead to highly profitable for most companies, primarily because business to business searches are based on intent. Incorporating educational blogs, white papers, quizzes, and long form content that addresses specific problems can help nurture and lead to build audience trust. In fact, close to 68% of business to business marketers use content marketing to build trust. As brands continue to fight for consumer attention in these still uncertain times, marketers will find themselves trying different strategies by taking these marketing trends into account. You'll be able to stay ahead of the curve and meet your goals. So again, that was from the CEO World Magazine, Five Emerging Digital Marketing Strategies to Try in 2022 by Eric Woodson. Hannah, do you got anything insight? Because uh, tell us what you major in. So I major actually in digital media production. Uh, so I do quite a lot of what they just talked about in the article. I would say definitely 
having video content, even photo content in your posts makes such a big difference. It's just a great way to engage your audience. And it's also, for example, when people see something they like, say uh, it's a post for the Panther marching band and they're like, hey, that's my friend. I'm going to go ahead and like that picture and tag them in it. On a platform like Facebook, it's going to go ahead and pop it onto that person's feed and then onto other people's feeds as they continually like it. It's a great organic way to start growing your customer base just from interactions and they're not paid interactions. It's just really a small thing that businesses of any size, any budget can do to just to start getting their name out there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You got to use the at least the local <laughs> algorithm to really help you know, oh, do that because I I've seen, noticed that if you tag people in a post that the the post is mm -hmm. related about, more people are going to see that because oh, there's a lot of people connected to this content, which means a lot more people are apt to like it, which means a lot more people are apt to see it. So it's it's sort of kind of similar to that. Oh, I absolutely agree, and tagging is a huge part of it too. I know, for example, once again with the marching band. I believe about two years ago now, we did a show on September 21st. That was, of course, an Earth, Wind, and Fire show, because you gotta. You gotta. Um, and when we were tweeting out the videos from that show, I pulled a clip from it while I was still in the stands. I had a friend just record it quick on the field, and I tagged the band Earth, Wind, and Fire on Twitter, and they retweeted our content and quote tweeted it. They're like, this is so funny. We love this. And then we got tons of interactions, tons of new followers, just because Earth, Wind, and Fire had hundreds of thousands of followers. So then they all got boosted PMB content. So it's really just that um, cause and effect, just tagging people, adding media to your posts, stuff like that is an easy way to grow. Absolutely. So you did mention the marching band a little bit. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? What, what does Hannah Butler do? Well, in the Panther marching band, this will be, this is my fifth year in it. As a matter of fact, uh, I've been a trumpet player th for the past five years, but I would say not necessarily more importantly, but a large part of what I do for the band is I've been the head of special operations for the past four years, which means I'm in charge of developing our digital content, handling our marketing, our recruiting, all that kind of stuff. So really, it's a balance of in-person events as well as online, for example, making videos during the summer, kind of highlighting what the PMB is, what we do, why prospective students should join us and take the time to learn more about us or reach out and connect with our members about why they should come back or why it would be a great thing for them to get involved in. So I would say a lot of my position is really just handling that marketing for the band. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cause you get, you get all aspects of it. You get the person side where you mm -hmm. actually get to interact and sit with the band and be like, Hey, I'm going to take your video. Is that okay? And then you actually interact with the online side of things through the various media, social accounts that, you know, I'm get exposed to all the time and I always enjoy all the content. So, <laughs> so getting both sides of that coin and your, <laughs> your unique position, you're, you are literally the head of special operations. Like it's very unique to to be in those kind of situations. It, it definitely is. I would say it's an interesting, especially as I've kind of over the past four years, I feel like I've learned so much. Um, I feel like I've grown a ton just professionally as I'm learning literally hands-on what works and what doesn't. Uh, I feel like it's been a really interesting opportunity too because I really get to work uh, closely with 
Dr. Mertz, a lot of the staff managers, staff members in the marching bands organization um, to to develop our content and decide on our best marketing strategies. I also handle our um, like I said, our marketing calendar. So a lot of times, like when the band's getting ready to announce the shows, I get to find them out early, which never a disappointment, (laughs) um, because I have to make all our promotional materials for them. So it's a very interesting position to be both a member of the ensemble performing on the field, but also have a lot of additional responsibilities. And I think it's awesome. I love my job so much just because I am so passionate about the PMB and what it's done for me. Um, So being able to kind of use what I've learned in my classes and internships, all that kind of stuff to help bring more attention to the band has been such a unique and cool opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's take a step back. Where did you grow up? Uh, I am from DeWitt, Iowa. So it's about 20 minutes north of the Quad Cities, if you know where that is. If you don't know where it is, you haven't missed a whole lot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, isn't the Quad Cities like Dubuque and around there? Or am I totally missing the boat it's on It's about too? an hour. Actually, if you get on 61 and go straight south, you will hit the Quad Cities from Dubuque. So that is correct. <laughs> oh, well, see, see, people name off all these these towns, and there's tons of towns in Iowa. I remember actually seeing a post on Facebook about these group of guys who are trying to go all to all 993 like townships wow. in Iowa. So yeah, so what if you want to talk about trying to reach different people, they <laughs> literally tag all the different towns that they visit and post the pictures on Facebook. <laughs> So, yeah. So can you maybe talk about, so how, how was your um, childhood? When did you start developing the want to get into digital marketing? You know, honestly, I would say I've always kind of enjoyed video stuff. I was, I loved movies growing up, loved TV, loved media. Um, I didn't seriously start getting into digital media itself with video editing until I believe I was a sophomore in high school. I, w- I loved doing speech contests, so I competed in TV news, and in TV news, you write your own news script, you figure out how to film all of it, you come up with the commercials, you edit it, and that was my first time really trying something like that, and I just loved it. Um, after going to Allstate and kind of seeing what a lot of other schools did that year, I was like, oh, well, here's a bunch of ideas for how we can kind of elevate ourselves and make our product look better. And I'm also, I fully admit, I'm a detail person. I'm type A. So I will sit there and nitpick a clip to death for two hours on if I should cut three tenths of a second out of it or not. Um, so I love being able to sit down and look at the raw footage and then turn it into a complete package. Like I love that um, kind of sense of seeing it all come together. So I think that's definitely how I got started. Um, that's definitely what led me to you and I as well is that I loved that we had a lot of opportunities here. My parents were UNI alums. Uh, lots of my family's gone here. I had Allstate speech here for individuals several years in a row. I was like, yeah, UNI's campus is cool. I'll go here. Yeah. I always like to say that um, UNI's campus is like one of the smaller of the all four schools. Oh, definitely. So, so sorry, <laughs> Iowa and Iowa State people. I got to flex on you because I got to go to class and I can be there in 10 minutes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but I think you also hit on a, a a lot of key points too about, you know, doing speech and involving Mm -hmm. and being in those, uh, 
those extracurriculars, mm-hmm. which is very important to kind of led to you being like, oh, hey, this is a career path that I can go yeah. into. So like, for example, like I did tons of improv, like I did improv and ensemble acting oh, and yeah. speech. And then later on, once I got to college, I actually became an Iowa High School Speech Association judge for three years. Oh, that would so, be fun. So yeah, and it was great because a lot of kids don't understand that communication and being able to get your ideas out there is so important. And then able to do that, especially as a sophomore in high school, to be like, hey, I can make this a thing that I can do this for the rest of my life. And then, oh, hey, I'm in this nice confined space of education and learning. It's all it's gonna do is propel you forward. Oh, I absolutely agree. And really speech and drama to an extent too, is I was so lucky to have Brie McGill was my coach and she was so fantastic about when I was a freshman, I started speech. I was painfully awkward to watch. Like I, the fact that just every week she was like, all right, Hannah, come in, let's go ahead and work on your piece again. Um, I commend her for it because it was, I was not easy to coach just cause I was so awkward. And I really feel like over those three years that I was competing in speech every year, it's, it helped me learn how to kind of I mean, not necessarily put words together, but you know what I kind of mean, where it's like, it gives you confidence to stand in front of a crowd and feel like, okay, I know what I'm talking about. I'm confident in what I'm doing. Or it gives you lots of experience in, wow, I just forgot my whole script. I guess I'm just going to make something up for the next four minutes. Um, So I think that speech contest, really, whether you're in TV news or improv or really any category, it's so beneficial for people just to participate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being able to just go in there and be like, hey, I want to try something new, you know, get outside the comfort zone. And uh, I think actually one of your quotes hits on this very much. And thank you so much for bringing in more than one quote. That's so fantastic. Um, So this is by uh, Carrie Fisher. For those of you who don't know who Carrie Fisher is, uh, she played uh, Princess Leia in Star Wars, but she mm-hmm. has been acting since 1969. So she's been out there in the acting world. And what she says is stay afraid, but do it anyway. So I think this really pl- ties in very well with being like, hey, try something new. Go out there, even though, you know, the only way you're going to grow is to, to mm-hmm. get out of that comfort zone. And if you get out of that comfort zone and you fail, so what? You can always go back in. You can try something else. But if you go out there and try it out of your comfort zone and you're like, hey, I actually enjoy this. This is something that I can do. Well, you just grew from that. So it makes it 10 times better that you went and tried and did it. Oh, I absolutely agree. And that even that quote for me goes back to, like I said, my speech contest days where I was a freshman in high school and our, uh, my, I had a teacher for a class who was also one of the speech coaches and he just really kept encouraging me. He was like, you should go out for speech. You need to do speech. You're going to do speech. And I was just too shy to say no. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing speech. But really it's like, I was terrified every time I walked into the room to do my piece for that whole first year. I was like, I'm just going to push through it. If I fail, I fail. Uh, at least I know, like I tried it and that when I did the Disney college program, when I was a sophomore at UNI, I was really kind of that fall. I was like questioning my major. I was like, am I in the right spot? I don't know what I should really be doing. Like, should I just take a semester off? 
Um, and I, apl- I ended up applying for the Disney College program, which is a program at Walt Disney World in Florida, where you essentially move to Florida for a whole semester and you work in the parks. You can do their different seminars, different um, activities to kind of network with people. And I applied kind of on a whim. I was like, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people apply. They only take kind of a handful. And I found out in November I got picked and I was shocked first of all because I was kind of like I I hadn't heard anything I applied in September I think like right before Labor Day so I hadn't heard anything for two months I wasn't thinking about it um and there's just this moment of terror after I get my like congratulations you've been accepted email I was like I'm 19 am I really going to move to Florida I hadn't even been to Florida I had never been to Disney World (laughs) when I applied I was like am I really gonna do this and I'm gonna just leave everything I know for a semester, just live on my own. I was still living in the dorms at that point. I had not lived in an apartment yet. Um, My family lived about two hours out from here, but I was like, I'm literally a thousand miles away. I was like, do I really want to do it? I was like, it ultimately came down to me where I was like, if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. And that's how I try and look at a lot of things that even if I'm like, I'm really scared, I'm nervous. uh, I'm not sure if I should do it. It's like, I would rather try it and fail or have something terribly wrong and be like, you know what? I tried it. I found out I, I like, I don't regret trying it. I would have always wondered if I didn't know. And that's kind of what ended up happening with, for the college program with me is I was there for about two months. I kind of came to the decision where I was like, you know, this is a really great program, but it's not a great fit for me personally. So then making that decision to be like, you know what? I'm going to end my program early and, Go, I was I didn't come back to you and I that semester obviously I was taking online classes and stuff so I just came back and got a job but even though ultimately it wasn't the best fit for me I don't regret trying it just because I would have always wondered so that's kind of how that quote ties in for me of being afraid but doing it anyway is just I don't want to I don't want to live with what ifs you know yeah you know a lot of people get scared about the what if questions mm-hmm. and they, they can usually culminate into this mountain of anxiety yeah which can lead people down a different path but being able to say hey I'm even though my family is a thousand miles away I'm gonna give that a shot yeah. and you went out and you tried it and you were like you know, when you actually go and do stuff, you'll realize whether you like it or not. You know, that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people have the mantra of like, I'm going to try it, anything at least once. Yeah. So being able to go there and especially, you know, I'm sure you're very close with your family. So taking that leap out of going out of your space, both physically and, you know, emotionally is is a big telling that you wanted to grow and you were able to learn things from it. And mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing to take away from it. You you got your job. Um, you sort of kind of figured out from that Disney program, what then made you want to, to basically become the special operations head for the PMB? Well, I definitely, going into my sophomore year, we usually do leadership audit applications in the spring. In my freshman year, I just loved it. I was like, I just, I would love to be on leadership. I just want to kind of help out wherever I was happy to do whatever. And actually, as I was walking in to do my interview with Dr. Mertz, uh, Sierra Steen, who's now one of my good friends, 
she was coming out of her interview. She was like, hey, I know you're looking at special ops. You're wanting to be on special ops. He's looking for someone to do video. Tell him that that's your major and you'll be set. And I was still kind of nervous going into this meeting because I hadn't had a whole lot of one-on-one interaction with Mertz up to this point. I was like, okay. So going into the meeting, I kind of told Dr. Mertz what I could do. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. I found out I got a spot on the team. And definitely that next season uh, was me figuring out like, how do I do video for a band? Um, there had not been somebody to do video before me, so it was really starting from scratch, which was really interesting. So that was a lot of learning. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't. And just that trial and error of figure out how often to do videos, what to put in the videos, what music to use, like all this kind of stuff. When I was, uh, I think I'd only taken really one production course at UNI at that point, just because of like my plan of study I took more later. Um, so it, it forced me to really grow and get really familiar with software like Premiere Pro or After Effects. Um, and it pushed me to be like, Hey, I have this cool idea. How do I make that happen? And I also felt that within the PMB, because a lot of our marketing had been done by students in the past, it didn't necessarily look as professional, which is nobody's fault. It was just Dr. Mertz had just started at UNI at that point as well. I was like, hey, I follow all these drum core accounts, stuff like that. They're like, they're having fun, but they look more professional. So it was definitely also kind of consuming a lot of their content and being like, okay, here's what other bands are doing. How can I take that and use that for the PMB? And it really definitely just kind of went from there. I started with just video. And then the next year when I was head of special operations, I was like, okay, now I'm also in charge of all of our social media and the team that kind of runs our social media is like, how can I elevate our brand and show the whole band? Like we're still having a great time, but we're also a professional organization. And I wanted our accounts to reflect that, like we have fun, but we work hard. Um, so definitely like looking at different accounts and be like, okay, like we don't have an official logo for the band right, right now. How do we develop, develop a logo and what kind of, graphic design do we need to do so we can look cohesive across all of our different accounts so it looks like we are all the band accounts as opposed to oh that kind of looks like the band that one's apparently the band but they haven't posted in two years and it has a different profile picture than everything else so really I another big part of this is I really like a challenge and I was like my goal is to elevate our brand so that's what we're gonna do and it was just figuring out how to make that happen yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you hit on a lot of great points with that, like especially the trial and error of it all, mm-hmm. because no one knows what they're doing 100% of when they start doing oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, oh, hey, you know, when you're younger, learning to ride a bike, we don't know how to ride a bike when we're born. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of like, I'm going to get on there and I'm going to, you know, pedal one or two times, fall off, pedal two or three times, fall off pedal five or six, and then you're going down the road. It's really awesome to show that growth just by practicing and by Mm -hmm. doing it. And I think you made another great point about, well, how, how do I make something great? And your answer to that was, well, what are other great people doing? Mm -hmm. So looking at in the, I, in the perspective of the PMB, the Panther Marching Band, it's like, oh, I want to look at these drum corps 
because I've seen like DCI mm-hmm. and their hype videos make me want to run a hundred miles. Yeah, exactly. So being able to replicate that just for the local band is, uh, it's, it's really awesome because you're going to be like, Hey, I want to, I want to make people think the Panther marching band wants to run a hundred miles and look good while doing exactly. it. Exactly. So, and especially, you know, with the pride, the strength and all that, and every video is new every year. So mm-hmm. uh, can you maybe talk about a little bit about how do you take your vision and make it a reality? Like in, in the sense of like making the videos. Yeah. So, you know, I'll kind of focus on our pregame videos that you see on the Jumbotron at football games to really kind of illustrate this. So prior to my starting video for the band, I believe they'd had the same video for about five years and it was a good video. It just didn't show a whole lot of the band in my opinion. And I was like, you know, like if the football team has a new video every year, or every two years, like, can't we also like do a new video? And it was especially important because like we didn't really have a logo yet. So I was like, this would be a great time to like, really kind of identify our brand's voice and use it in this video. Like you mentioned, the uh, our slogan is, we are the pride, strength, and character of Panther Nation. I was like, the band knows that, but nobody else knows that. So like, how do we work that into our marketing? So then kind of working backwards is I was like, okay, so I know in this video, I want to have pride, strength, character, have some footage of the band performing, doing something, and then have some shots that I like set aside to like, stage and decide who's coming in when and all of that. So that was my junior year as I did the first one. And definitely that was a lot of trial and error for me just because I had never coordinated a shoot of that magnitude before. The band had never participated in a shoot of that magnitude before. And it was overcoming a lot of logistical hurdles. I want to animate my text in this video, but I don't know how to do that. So learning how to do that I was like, I need performance footage of the band, like up close, not just from the box up top, which is obviously super hard for me to get because I'm a performing member in the band. So I don't just hang out on the sidelines with a camera. A lot of ensembles and drum corps, they have a designated person to do that. I'm lucky that I don't have to pick one or the other. I know at Iowa State, some of the other bands, like you have to either be in the band or you have to do media for the band. You can't do both. So I'm very lucky I get to do both my passions here. It was a lot of how do I get footage of the band and I don't want to miss a halftime show, but I got to get it somehow. And it worked out that that year we were hosting a competition. So I was like, oh, we're going to be doing an exhibition show for all these high schoolers. I can definitely step out just for one of those shows. It was this kind of like, okay, I have my camera in hand. This is my one shot to get the footage I need, which it was really scary. I'm not going to lie. It was scary like up until the point where I got out my laptop could check the footage I was like okay this is usable but it's stuff like that where I just had to sit down and figure out how to do stuff and I think definitely I'm still proud of that first pregame video because there was really no comparable feeling to look at Mertz called everybody in during our pregame rehearsal when we were going to unveil the video to the band and getting to watch everybody see it for the first time and also looking at the screen and be like hey that's hours and hours and hours of my hard work and it's done and it's there and people are excited about it. So that was such a special feeling for me. And then we used that video for the remainder of the 2019 season, obviously 2020 black hole year for literally everybody. But then 2021, I was like, the band's back. We're rebranded. 
the old pregame video, I was proud of the work I put into it, but I was also like, you know what? I can do better than that. I feel like I can push myself to go further. I've learned more. I'm two years older. I have more experience under my belt. I want, I want to do better this time. So once again, taking all those trial and error bits from the first time I did it and figuring out, okay, I can repurpose this performance footage. Uh, we had just gotten a lot of new equipment in the digital media office. Um, so I was able to use that. So a lot of the film quality was better simply because I had better equipment to work with, which was really, really exciting for me. Deciding on the music, putting all the pieces together. That was, I think this was a different kind of exciting for me getting to see that at the first football game because I was like, this video I am proud of. I will walk across the stage in May with no regrets if they use that video next year or if another person comes in and makes a different one. Like I can be proud of all the hours that went into that. And I also feel like it shows the amount of work that went into it. And, you know, not many people are able to look at the final product and be like, oh, hey, I helped do this. This is my labor and love of doing something that I'm passionate about. Well, you know, and then sharing that with the world, like you literally share it with over a thousand people per home game, which to me blows my mind. It still blows my mind. If I'm being honest, like I never, I just remember the first time, both times, both videos, actually my first time seeing it on the Jumbotron and getting to hear the crowd react with it. There are some tears in my eyes, I'm not gonna lie, just because it's really seeing that 36 second video, like all the hours and hours and hours that went into every single part of it behind the scenes. It's like seeing that and knowing it's like people enjoy it and that's always my end goal is I want people to be able, whether they're in the band or in the crowd, it's like, I want them to be able to look at our content and be like, hey, I love the band or especially for members and alumni. I want them to be able to see our videos and like remember what it was like to be on the field with the PMB, how special it was and what a sense of community we have in our ensemble. Like we call ourselves a family, like we pride ourselves on kind of that family like atmosphere we have. And it's like being able to put together videos with all these different people in it. It's like they'll be able to come back in three years, five years, 10 years on our Facebook pages, or they'll have saved copies of the videos and they can see themselves doing that and remember what that felt like. And like, that's a very cool privilege to have as well. Yeah. uh, You're essentially what you're trying to do is capture the passion that is Panther marching band. Exactly. And then not only that, but realigning the vision to showcase this passion, Mm -hmm. not only like you mentioned for uh, prior members, current members, soon to be alum and, and then fans of football, because being able to, like you said, take your, your idea, work it backwards, being Mm -hmm. like, these are the goals that I want to attain. How do I get there? And then methodically, like you mentioned that you're a very detail-oriented person. Mm -hmm. I am a very detailed-orientated person, so I understand how it is. But being able to sit down, literally put pen to paper and be like, okay, so so we are the the strength, the pride, and the character of the marching band. Mm -hmm. How do I want to showcase that? Well, I'm going to need, you know, X shots of us marching on the field. I'm going to need X shots on a black screen of just somebody like showing their instrument or I want to see Sophia Aguirre twirl like and then do a backflip or something so so showcasing all those aspects working backwards and then at the same time like the font that you use for the pride character and all that 
I don't think anybody knows how to do that. Like, I feel like you don't just copy and paste like Comic Sans on there. Oh, I sure hope not. I don't think Mertz would. I think I would get fired if I made some stuff with Comic Sans. I think it's just like you said, it's such a unique, cool privilege to be able to do that for people. And I love doing it. Um, like it's it brings me joy knowing that like people get excited about seeing themselves in the videos or seeing themselves in our pictures from game day because that was another big thing once I became the head of special operations I was like we don't have we don't ever have pictures from football games we don't ever have really any content for our football games so like I started a YouTube channel for us for like when the show videos get sent to me I cut them apart um upload them to our YouTube so people can watch them like go through take pictures of all the members of the band and obviously like this is not just a one-man effort it's my team like training my team like hey here's how we get good video of the band here's kind of like the rule of thirds and all these basics of videography and taking pictures and everybody working together and making that commitment as team members on special ops like yes like this is our job we're going to do it well getting that generating that content for our social media through taking pictures at games it's just fun because I feel like the world gets so much more in the world metaphorically, obviously, but they get so much more excited about the PMB and what we do because they can see behind the scenes of what we do. And it's exciting to be able to kind of pull back the curtain of mysticism for whoever's not in the PMB and be like, here's what we do at our game day rehearsals. Here's our fun traditions. We do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how many people do you have on your special ops team? The special ops teams, it kind of varies year to year. Uh, last year, I think I had about nine people. This year, I believe there's five other students on the team. Uh, I appreciate every single one of them. Yeah. So so are they a part of the band as well? Yes, they are. So, how, so go ahead and talk to me a little bit about how you are able to orchestrate not only behind the scenes for, for them and them mm -hmm. taking pictures, but then sort of kind of talk about a little bit about how, you know, how it you said earlier about talking about the multi-role of being a member of special ops and a member of the PMB. So can you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some challenges you had with that? I know you mentioned already about the first one, but can you maybe mention a little bit more about how it is with your team? Of course. Yeah. So I would say definitely coming into it as a leader, my view, whatever I'm a leader, no matter what organization I'm in, I never want to ask my team members or people who I'm kind of helping to lead, like I will never ask them to do something that I wouldn't do or something I wouldn't be willing to do myself or something that I'm not already doing myself. For example, like when we're in the stands during a football game being like, hey, make sure you're remembering to step out for five, 10 minutes, walk up and down the aisles, take pictures. I think it's really important for all of us to do that, not only because we all have a different kind of photographer's eye and getting more members of the band that way, but it's also like showing that like, hey, I might be a senior, super senior who's been doing this for four years, but like, I'm still going to get out and take pictures just like a second year member of the PMB who it's their first year in special ops is going to do it just because it's a team effort. And I think it's important to show my team, like I'm right in there with you. We're all in this together. It's not a, I'm going to tell you what to do. And then I'm going to kick back and relax while you guys get the work done. It's a team effort from start to finish. Um, and one way I kind of helped figure that out, especially my first year leading special ops was figure out, okay, here are specific roles. Here are the specific responsibilities for each role. And then having a meeting in May, once the list has been announced and being like, Hey, let's go ahead and start talking through like, 
what I'm going to expect you guys to do, because I think another very important aspect of being a leader, especially in this capacity, is being clear about your expectations. I never want my members to feel like I've been giving, given 15 tasks to do. I don't know how to do any of them. They have to be done in 10 minutes and Hannah's going to be mad if they're not done. What I tell them every single time, I we use Slack a lot. So I'll kind of come up with goals for the week or goals for the month or whatever. Be like, here's the tasks that need to get done. Let me know if you have any questions because I I am by no means perfect. I, there are plenty of times where I'll forget to say, hey, this needs to be done this day or I need you to use this font in this graphic as they can all attest. But I want them to feel like they can talk to me and be like, hey, I don't understand or like, you weren't super clear on this. Can you explain what you mean? Because I think keeping open lines of communication is a huge part of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being able to be upfront with your team. And for those who don't know, Slack is kind of like a Google chat room mm -hmm. where it's literally a chat room with different topics on it. And you be like, hey, I need somebody to take pictures during this home football game. Exactly. Can you go do that? And they would like like it or, or respond like, hey, no, I can't do it. But why would they? Because they're, they're going to be at the <laughs> game anyway. So they should say yes. But being able to, like you said, get on board with the vision and um, have a clear expectation of them to perform in a way that you want them to, to look good on the higher goal of being in the band and mm -hmm. to go back to those three characters, being able to tell your team, hey, this is what we want to present the marching band to be. I think you really hit on some really good points about I never asked them to do what I wouldn't do. And mm -hmm. in a sense, being able to say, hey, like you mentioned, I'm right there with you. Um, a lot of people in higher up roles sort of kind of think themselves higher because of that position. Mm -hmm. And that's the wrong way of going about organizational oh, leadership. Absolutely. Because I 100% feel that way of like, oh, hey, I want you to do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to go off and, you know, be on Facebook for 30 minutes. No, that's not how it works. It's like, I have to be an open source for you because I've made the same mistakes that you're going to make. So in order to help you guide, not only make a better product, but for you to be a better employee is for me to be open for you so you can exactly. succeed. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in leading by example. I, I'm one of my biggest pet peeves is having a leader or being in an organization with a leader that's, they don't practice what they preach and that like, oh yeah, I'll dictate to you what to do, but I'm going to be in my office. Like you said, like on Facebook, or I'm going to tell you, you have to take pictures of the game or you have to film or whatever, but I don't need to do that. I'm del like, I'm delegating. It's not my problem because it's very different helping to delegate responsibilities is showing like, Hey, I also have responsibilities. We're going to share these across as opposed to telling people, this is what you're going to do. I don't want to do anything. So that's something that's so important to me just after being in that situation. So many times I never want my team to feel that. Um, and something I try and emphasize a lot every year. So I'm like, if you're ever concerned, if you have questions for me or questions about what I'm doing or like why I'm not doing something like please come talk to me. Like I want to keep those open lines of communication because at the end of the day, that's how you get stuff done is communicating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this kind of ties back all the way back to in high school with communication mm -hmm. and, and because communication is its 
own right is an art form in a oh, sense. Absolutely. And everyone has their own style, sort of kind of like how you mentioned earlier about how everyone has their own photographer's eye. So being able to develop and, and essentially hone your own craft in communication, because that's essentially what your livelihood is, is being able to communicate that idea. But when you have your team there, you all have to be on the same page, otherwise it's not gonna happen. For my personal example, is that I am a caster for the Panther Esports team. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing that we had to, to overcome is how we're all gonna see the same thing happening at the same time. Because we were having an issue of when we're in the game, we're looking at two separate things that are oh, going yeah. on. So we had to, to develop a way to be like, hey, let's bring this on to one screen. So we're looking, so both me and the the play-by-play -play caster, we're looking at the same thing, can talk about the same thing, and then just bounce off of each other. Because when we were looking at two separate screens, we were looking at two different visions. We were looking at two different yeah. goals, essentially. And once we were all able to go on that, that one page, we were able to make it uh, uh, better because everyone was, was doing the same thing. Yeah, for sure. So, absolutely. So now enough about my example. Let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about these wonderful quotes. So you mentioned earlier about a Dr. Justin Mertz. Dr. Justin Mertz is the head conductor. Is he like the He's leader? He's the director of the Panther the Marching Band. He's the director of the Panther Marching Band and the Wind Ensemble. Yes. So he is very experienced in his craft that is music in the setting of... Music at the collegiate level. Yeah, music at the collegiate level. Because earlier on, like you knew from episode two, I brought, brought on... Dr. John Wiles. He is uh, the director of the Glee Club. He's sort of kind of in the same sense of that, but instead of vocal music, it is instrumental music. Mm -hmm. And one of his quotes is, do the job that is in front of you. So why did you bring this on the podcast? That's something he's been saying that um, to the leadership team. And I'm sure he did when I was a freshman. I was a freshman. So I was just getting point A to point B and not, not thinking about anything else. But that's been one of Dr. Mertz's favorite quotes over the past several years. And I've gotten to know him really well, work very closely with him. And there are times where I'm like, oh my gosh, we just had crazy thing. X, Y, Z happen. How do we do this? Like, what about this? Where do I go now? And like my brain always flies like a thousand different directions, like trying to figure out the most efficient way to solve whatever the problem is. And his, he's always like, you just got to do the job that's in front of you. So rather than worrying about these 15 things we can't control, let's worry about the one thing that we can control or start making plans for those variables we can control or can have some influence over. And I think the I try and apply the do the job that's in front of you to my life in general as well. So I'd say I'm definitely a very busy person. I try and stay involved in a lot of different things, kind of jump on different opportunities as they come. And I have a tendency once in a while, I'm like, I am so overwhelmed. I don't even know where to start with all this work I need to do. And then it's that do the job that's in front of you. So if that job is doing my homework, if that job is going to work, if that job is making my dinner, it's like, that's the next step. So just one step at a time and kind of think through stuff. So I think that's a 
fantastic quote for everybody to know. And I would say he's definitely been very influential as I've kind of developed my style of leadership as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, along with me with Dr. Wiles and you with Dr. Mertz, it's we have these role models who we kind of want to be like. And I think you hit on a really good point about how he sort of kind of mentioned, you know, we have 15 things we can't control. They're Mm -hmm. out of our reach, but they're going to affect what we do. But yet we have this one thing that we can control. So we should focus all our energy on controlling that one thing instead of trying to control 15 things that we can't control. Absolutely. And I would say a huge part of when that came into play, it's been a huge part of every season, but I'd say definitely once again, that 2020 season is leaving school in March 2020, not knowing when we'd be back. Um, like I said, I was in charge of all the PMBs recruiting along with my co-head of several years before he graduated, Jordan Weber, who's just fantastic. Um, he was a huge part of our success as well. He was the head of kind of our in-person recruiting stuff. So we're sitting there as it's May, it's June. We find out, oh, all student orientations or summer orientations are going to be online. Well, a huge part of the band's normal recruiting procedures is at the student organization fair. We set up a table. We have members there to talk with incoming transfer students, incoming freshmen, first years, um, and really meet with them one-on-one and be like, hey, this is what the PMB is. You can ask me questions right now. And we were like, we can't do that because everything's on Zoom, which is still a crazy concept at that point. So figure out like, well, how do we recruit now? And then versus like, hey, you know, just do the job in front of you. We know that we we know that there's going to be online orientations. Let's see if we can get involved, check with all our different contacts, like how we can keep moving forward. And that really came into play um, August 2020 as well. Uh, I worked with our staff managers and we essentially come over a week early before the rest of the band comes for band camp to figure out logistics of band camp. I do a ton of our marketing promotional work that week, help the staff managers as an extra hand if they need it. They're always fantastic at their jobs, but every once in a while you need somebody else to help carry some boxes. Um, So we were hanging out in the uniform room in Russell Hall. We had just finished all our prep. It's Friday afternoon, about two o'clock. And we're like, you know what? We're, we have all the masks ready to go. We have all the modifications we need to make for instruments so they're COVID safe. Um, We have all that bagged up, ready to go. We're ready for everybody to come tomorrow for leadership band and then Monday for band camp. I happen to be scrolling through Twitter and I see that FCS football had just been moved to the spring. So that was definitely a bombshell to kind of get dropped literally less than 24 hours before we were supposed to get started. So then I was, I texted Dr. Mertz and then I, uh, one of our grad assistants, Jack Frank was there and I was like, what do we do now? Um, and Mertz was like, all right, we don't really have a reason to have all these students move in early. And if that's a way that we can keep people safer by not coming to campus early, like we're just going to go ahead and cancel band camp because there's no rush at this point. We don't know, um, obviously what we're going to do. And I remember having to figure out logistics of not only notifying people within my section as a member of the trumpet section and kind of a senior leadership team member, um, but also figuring out how do we get the word out to all these students that were supposed to be showing up. So like I have to do a Facebook post, I have to do an Instagram post, Twitter, make graphics for all this, like trying to figure out all those variables. And Mertz is kind of closing words on our quick Zoom conference. He was like, just do the job that's in front of you. Our job right now is letting people know band camp's canceled. We're coming up with a game plan for the rest of the season and just stay tuned. So he's always a really great example of 
kind of being flexible in crazy times. And there is no better example of that than really all of 2020. Um, so I'd definitely say that that's seeing that in action and then remembering to apply that to my own life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you hit on a really good point about being able to take it one piece at a time because COVID affected a lot of people in mm -hmm. a lot of different ways, especially in Glee Club. It affected us to not have the Christmas show, which yeah. we didn't have a Christmas show ever since like 1976 essentially yeah. when we started christmas shows so being able to then have a quick group think of like hey this is what we need to do we need to communicate things out well let, let me tell you a little bit about how that plan kind of worked out because you did move a lot of physical recruiting to digital recruiting which you of course orchestrated a good majority of that because prior to the 2020 season, uh, recruiting was entirely digital, but it increased a 26% of band recruitment to you uh, and I when you and I's enrollment was dropping drastically. So, could, so you can already see the effect of being able to get everybody to one vision of mm -hmm. periodically and methodically getting your your work done and it, it just means that it all came out well in the end yeah and that's definitely something that whole process was figuring even as we were going through the summer we were getting to august and we were like we're saying we're having band camp we have plans in place to have band camp we don't know if we're having band camp we don't know if we'll be back on campus in august um because that was the year two where all of a sudden we Move, they moved the start date of the school year forward a week so we could finish before Thanksgiving break. Of course, our band camp is always a week before the week, first day of school. So then we moved that forward. And I have to really, getting through that summer and having a really cohesive effort, it's once again, I have to give it up to my amazing team members. It's not something I could have accomplished on my own. Really working with Jordan, my co-head, um, we... Call it. We had a, we figured out a Zoom meeting in the very early days of Zoom, and we were like, okay, what are adjustments we can make to start shifting all our recruiting online so we can still reach the same amount of people? Because that was something that we were all really passionate about. Is everybody was on special ops that year? Some of them had been on it for several years at that point, and we were all like, PMB has changed our lives so positively, and we don't want an incoming student to miss out on this amazing community because they came in in a weird time and they didn't meet a orientation or something like that. So it was like setting up open recruiting sessions, like putting out on Twitter, putting out a Google form on our social media pages, be like, Hey, this time next week, the PMB is going to do a Q and a session on Facebook live, or we're going to do a zoom info session and figure out like hey you can't just drop the zoom link out in the universe because you don't know who's going to click on it so then figure out kind of that we need to have people register so then we can get them emailed and explain like here's the password to get into the zoom here's how you do this here's how you answer questions or like can send them in the chat because like i said it was the very early days of all this figuring out zoom figure out like, okay, we can still make these connections even if we're just faces on a screen or something I tried to coordinate a lot of was putting fun content on our pages because the world was not a fun place then. It just seemed like it was one bad thing after another. So I was like, hey, well, why don't we do like when there's that big trend going around, like what song do you sing to wash your hands? We timed out how you could do the fight song to wash your hands, which I fully admit it's been like, I don't know, a year and a half of COVID now, two years. 
I still sing the fight song in my head every time I wash my hands. I don't know how to break that habit. Um, but it was something that was effective. It made people laugh and coordinating with our members that were all spread out to their houses across Iowa. Like, hey, we need to have people give kind of their testimonials on why you should do PMB. If you're interested, let me know on Slack. We'll organize something. So then Courtney like, hey, here's how you film your videos on your own. I can't be there to adjust audio, adjust lighting. So like having to kind of release that control for me and be like, I'm going to trust them. Like I give them, them the instructions how to do it. They're going to film their videos, send them back to me and I'll put them together in the end. And that was, I'm not going to lie. That was kind of hard for me really being like, yep, I'm going to trust everything's going to be okay. Everyone's going to get videos submitted by the deadline. We're going to be fine. And we were because the PMP is awesome and our leadership team is awesome. It was stuff like that, like really just having to sit down and like, okay, we can't do anything we normally do. How do we change? How do we adapt? So then I think once again, a huge part of the fact we were able to grow that like 26% have almost 300 students in the band last year was the hard work and really commitment to commitment to innovating by the whole special ops team. And obviously Dr. Mertz is always an incredible source of support for us. He's always ready to go with whatever crazy idea we've got, or he'll be like, Hey, I had this crazy idea. Can you make this work and figure it out? And really meeting, just meeting with everyone on zoom being like, Hey, the world might end tomorrow, but we've got today. What can we figure out today? Yeah, we got today. Let's figure out today. I think you really had the ability to get with people and bounce ideas off of each other, mm -hmm. which gave you creative solutions like Q&As, informational videos, being able to be like, hey, register, come to our little forum and let's talk. Because that was a hard thing with Glee Club. So like if you listen to episode two, I'm a part of the, the Varsity Glee Club on campus, which is mm -hmm. a choral, choral ensemble. And we had a struggle trying to present ourselves out there because we didn't have these dialogues or conversations within our organization mm -hmm. to be like, hey, these are the things that we can do. I think the the extent of what we did was just send out emails to quote unquote prospective students who might not even choose you and I. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very nice to see that there is a success story out of all of this. I know we kind of wanted to touch a little bit about on this too, but could you maybe talk about the multi-role and the challenge of being a PMB member doing video for uh, the PMB? Because a lot of people, you know, for lack of better terms, sort of kind of uh, get at you with like very little animosity and being like, hey, why wasn't I in the video? So could you maybe talk about how you deal with those situations? Yeah, I'd say that's definitely probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest challenge I've had over the past four years, um, because just from starting from scratch where the PMB had no video. So it was, okay, we've never done this before. How do we do this? So as soon as I kind of started doing that, I was armed with really my phone and my student subscription to the Adobe Creative Suite. That's all I had. I was just rolling with what I had. So at first people, like everyone was like, oh, this is so cool. But it's like, hey, well... I haven't been in a video yet. Why haven't I been in a video? Oh, I bet it's because Hannah doesn't like me. So she's like using her role to like not show me because she doesn't like me, which is never the case. It was always just a hard line to walk because I have to look at it from the perspective of a media professional where I'm wanting the PMB to look professional, but also this is my career. So looking at it, I'm like, how can I meld these two things to put out 
the best product in terms of quality and in terms of representation. And I definitely like, once again, it was a learning curve of how many shots do I use of every section or how do I balance it? Um, and because I'm also a member of the band and these are people my age at the time I was a sophomore. So there was a lot of people also older than me. Um, it's figure out that line of where am I the, where am I the professional, but where am I also the student? And I think that at first some people kind of had a hard time of distinguishing me from my job. So something I definitely struggled with is when people would kind of get nasty about it for lack of a better term and be upset or be hurt that they weren't in stuff and then kind of take it out on me without coming to talk to me about it. That was something that was really hard for me. Like I care so much about my work and like I kind of pour my heart into all my work. So having people tell me about how much they hated the videos on occasion, it's like that really hurt. And I had to learn like I have to develop a thicker skin, which is a great thing to have. And really talking to Dr. Mertz about it too. And he was like, you know, like, I trust what you're doing. I know you have no ill intentions ever with kind of what you make. There's, you're never going to make everybody happy. And that was a lesson I really need to learn and kind of take to heart. So then it also kind of developed down the line where, especially during our COVID season, having to straddle like how to, like our primary method of getting everybody out like we did kind of standstill concerts last fall it's like we had several shows where it's like we're not allowed to have people in the dome it's too cold to do it outside how do we get this performance to everybody who wants to see it how to do live streams there's an occasion where the live stream didn't work and someone came up to me in the middle of the performance is like hey the live stream didn't work what did you do wrong and I was like I I'm performing right now I don't I don't know what's wrong with it so that was it also adds some stress on there because I really straddle the line between being a performing member of the ensemble, but also like having a very kind of a high profile job within the ensemble to promote us externally. Um, and I've definitely, like I said, I've learned a lot of lessons about developing a thicker skin, um, not giving up when stuff doesn't go right. Uh, and it's also accepting that criticism because there's times where criti the criticism was valid where it's like, oh, I didn't notice that I use four clips of the trumpets and two of the, I don't know, the trombones, let's say. I didn't notice that because I'm looking at it of, oh, these are all really nice shots, but I'm not necessarily going through and counting how many different people I can show. So like that was a lesson I definitely had to learn. And I, there were times where like people told me stuff like that. I was like, yeah, I needed to hear that. That was also, I guess, an important thing I learned is kind of filtering out the helpful criticism from the I'm mad and reacting emotionally kind of criticism. And it's not invalid to react like that. Like it's okay to look at something and be like, I'm so upset. I'm not in that. Like, and I felt bad for the people that were, if they weren't in something, like I genuinely felt bad that they were so upset that they weren't in something, but then kind of learning how to communicate to them. Like it wasn't a personal decision against you or against a group you're a part of or something like that. It's, I had to make a decision as a media professional and decide which way we needed to go. So I think it's definitely been hard sometimes, but they're such valuable lessons. And I'm so glad these are lessons I can learn in college when I'm in such a supportive environment where it's like, you know what, like it's not the end of the world if somebody doesn't like a video or if a live stream cuts out, stuff like that. Like I have to learn how to 
adapt and say, okay, how do I fix it for next time? Or what can I take from this feedback that's helpful for me down the road? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about trying to sift through the feedback of what's helpful, what's not helpful. Okay, this isn't helpful. How do I just push that aside? Because too many people focus on that one negative comment being mm-hmm. like, oh, your video sucked because I wasn't in it. It's like, cause, cause that stays with people a lot oh, definitely. where there's, you literally have thousands of people cheering because the video was on the jumbotron, but that one thing sticks with you and you have to be able to, you know, shut it off, be like, it's okay. Talk with people about it because especially in your unique role and with a lot of different people, we all wear different hats. We wear yeah. the hat of I'm, I'm a PMB member. Oh, I'm also wearing this hat of, I'm a media professional trying to produce a video with limited resources Mm -hmm. and deadlines that I have to make for the general public. And I think you make a good point that you can't make anybody happy or you can't make everybody happy. And just learning that and being able to internalize and make it make you a better person, thicker skin or not, you were always going to have to deal with tough people exactly. and being able to deal with that in your own way, especially wearing your multiple hats, because when you interlock different hats for whatever reason, it, it can make the vision be a little muddy. And it's like, well, but they said they didn't like the video because I wasn't in it or whatever. It's like, do I do I film them more? Do I do I gratify them well, no, because I have this other, well, no, because I have this other hat that I'm wearing of, I want to do the best I can. And it's just not happening over there in yeah, that, that, and that was particular su- That was section. such an important lesson for me to learn too, is that moment of like, oh, well, somebody just gave me this feedback. Do I immediately film them or their group way more than everybody else to make sure they like it next time? Oh, wait, but then somebody else will be mad because then they weren't in it as much. So it's that learning like, hey, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Otherwise, like kind of water off a duck's back. And once again, Dr. Mertz, his quote of do the job that's in front of you. That was something definitely after kind of a tough couple instances of that when he was when we were talking about it. And he was like, you just have to do what you can do and know that like the vast majority of the people here know you're doing your best. They're like... You have limited resources, kind of like you said, Hunter. Uh, he's like, just have faith that you know what you're doing. Have faith that everybody else, like there are people who know you're trying your best and there are people who appreciate it and don't let the kind of negative stuff drown out the good things. Like I said, that was such an important lesson for me to learn because there was really the first year I did a lot of video. I felt like that was impacting how I was in the band where I was like oh well nobody likes me maybe I shouldn't be here I don't know what I'm doing and then I was like you know what it's really dumb that I'm letting this one specific kind of sort of like conflict dictate how much I'm enjoying this organization that I love and really the next year it was kind of the COVID year and I was like how dumb is it to let something like that ruin something you're not gonna have forever and I want to be able to really leave the marching band with no regrets. And that's been a goal I'm still working on right now is I need to do my job and also remember to, to cherish the moments where I am just a performing member of the Panther marching band. Like when I take the field, all that matters is that show. And 
just cherishing it really while it lasts. Yeah, absolutely. To sort of kind of wrap up the point, your third quote that you decided to bring on is ad astra per asperia, which is Latin. And thank you for giving me the translation. (laughs) Translates to the stars through hardship. Yes. So uh, to the stars through hardship is something um, as a lot of people know, um, I'm totally a geek. I'm wearing my little Star Trek shirt right now, <laughs> but it's shown up in a lot of different sci-fi media. And it's just kind of that simple reminder of like on the other side of all the hard things are the good things. Uh, so you just have to push through and keep going. Like if we were going to stay on the ground forever, you know, like be like, oh, well, we're happy here on earth. There's nothing out there that we need to see. It's like, there's a whole amazing galaxy of space out there. And like that applies to life too, where if you're content to just stay in your own safe little bubble, like you, and not push through any of the hard things, any of the scary things, like you're going to miss this incredible kind of world of possibilities out there. Yeah, absolutely. So trying new things, you know, being able to wear different hats, trying mm-hmm. to get the vision in one center spot, and then making it a reality. Yeah. That's so awesome. Once again, Hannah, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, Hannah Butler, the head of special operations, fantastic woman. And with that, I want to thank everybody for being on the podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you uh, donate to my coffee. Again, that's K-O dash fi at hunter v-a-d-m so if you would that would be awesome keeps me going keeps this podcast going and with that thank you all for listening to the leadership and business story with me hunter White.